Give us a, give us a space uh, um, kind of countdown. You have the comp. Uh, all systems go, all systems green. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five. Telemetry is good. Four, three, two. We have ignition. One, zero. We have liftoff. We have liftoff. Why do you like that? <laughs> I don't know. I just love the way you do it. Remember when people used to want Port to have sex on aeroplanes? Yeah, well, I never... The Mile High Club. <laughs> I, I don't want to talk about that aspect because it's vulgar. Yeah. Let's, okay. um, and also, something else happened which was better. Did I tell you about the time... Did I tell you about the time I was in the hurricane? What? And guy on the airplane. This is quite good. Quite good airplane. We were, we were what happened? Just listen, and I'm no, going to I tell you. No, I want to know about the other we, thing we, that you we, want to talk we, about. We, we, what? We, no, no, I'd like to say there's, no, there's nothing to tell. I'm not talking about that. There's, there's nothing to talk about. Guy, what's going on? This, this is what we're this talking about. This is weird. I'm waiting, Paul. Guy, what is it? Have I touched a little bit of a nerve here? No, yes, I'm trying to tell you the story. If you just be quiet. All right. Okay. There had so. been a hurricane. A really bad hurricane. Setting the scene now. And I was caught in it. And I was... Oh, I was in Jamaica. There we go. And it was a really serious hurricane. Did you get sucked off into it? <laughs> and the whole... It was a ripper. It was a ripper. It, 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 it ripper, just destroyed... Did it rip a hole in it, you? It just destroyed all of the vegetation and nearly all of the houses. Did you, were your clothes blown in, off? Including the house that uh, uh, I was renting. And we got to... It was really hard to get to the... You, to get to the airport... Uh, you had, they had to have a guy basically on the front of the car with a chainsaw just cutting down because there's so many trees that got across the... Uh, uh, there, were, there were no ambulance getting through, no doctors. But planes were taking off. No, they weren't. What and when we, when we came down to see the uh, air, airport, because you could look, you go down into it and want to go back to the bottom of the mm. hill, or the planes were on their backs like, like, like insects. Wow. All, all, been, all been shoved up. Well, they fly the pretty good, don't they, so... Yeah, exactly, and a bit of wind, that's what they're designed to do, yeah. And so there were no airplanes there that worked, and the BA have a had in those days, I, don't, I bet they don't know with cost-cutting, uh, had a plane ready to go into a disaster uh, zone, and they flew in the 747, and um, off, off, off came the whole check-in procedure. They had everything... So if, 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 if the whole airport had been wiped out, they could still load a plane and mm. do it all. And out they came. And it was very difficult getting to the airport, but um, we had to get out of there. And we fought through it, and there were people at the airport. There was, like, a massive crowd. There was no phones, no electricity, everybody screaming, babies, people with bandages all over them. It was really hectic. And people fought, you know, a few harassed officials and everyone losing their temper. And, and there, was like, there was no water, there was no, there was no lavatories. It was dreadful. It was, it was great. I really enjoyed it. But, it was, uh, but, but I could see why Post people... Post-Brexit England. <laughs> and anyway, when we got... Bring it on! When we, when we got onto the plane, yeah. I had, I had business uh, class ticket. And they they allocated you a business class seat. If you had a business class ticket, it was it, there wasn't it wasn't there was no seats. But if you had a ticket, they said, of course you can come. We'll take everyone who can, wants to come back can come on the plane. Have you got a ticket? Doesn't matter what the date is. Have you got a ticket? So show them the ticket. They said, great. In you go into in, 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 into business class. So we we were in the plane and people were being kind of loaded into the plane. And it soon worked out that the only spare seats were the ones in business class. There were about five or six spare seats in business class, and the rest was crammed full of desperate people. Mm. And there were still loads of people 
in the um, uh, uh, terminus. But, of course, they had ordinary tickets. Mm. So the BA people said, look, uh, we're they're going to be coming into uh, this class, so that's absolutely fine. And two English people stood up and said, the thing is, is that we've paid billions for this class and we don't really think that it's fair that these people should, should uh, have, oh my God. have seats. It, d it doesn't seem to us natural justice. Oh, my God. And they were, like, really huffy and pissed off with them. These totally innocent people just trying to get home after having oh a hotel God. flattened. I remember that. I think that's so English. Yeah. They'd got, even though they had their seats in, uh, in club class, they didn't want someone in there who hadn't who paid, paid the, the right amount, yeah, who weren't, oh you know. Oh, God. It really hurt them. It was going to, that was going to, eight hours of pain. <laughs> did, you, did, you look, did you look daggers at them, guys? No, I, I was amazed. I loved it. I was just like lapping it up. So what? <laughs> situation. You love things like that. Yeah, yeah, I do. I love things like that. You love seeing the, 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 the dirty underskirt of humanity. Do you think I'm arrogant? Do I think you're arrogant? Mm. It's a bit on my mind, though. Um, I could do you a. a, 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 a you could answer us a few questions and I could determine how arrogant you are. Okay, I'll answer all Are you A... Right, Guy, question one. Are you A, great, B, all right, or C, a fucking genius? B, all right. You didn't... You, that's a lie, you know. <laughs> you answered too quickly. OK, okay. Uh, no, I... Because I know myself, but I will say Are this. you A, great, B, all right, or C, a fucking genius? I'm B, all right. N answer the question. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> Guy. What a weird lawyer. <laughs> All right, all right, question. I'm going to... No, no, no. In fact, my, my son will know. He, he, sometimes he's sitting in the kitchen doing, doing his work and my study door flies open as a troop hall. Yeah. And I strut, I swagger out of my <laughs> study door going, son, you're, you have as a father a, a genius. genius. I am a genius. I have written a <laughs> sentence. No, no, he's listening to the story. Listen to the story. I am a genius. Yes. He is, uh, he is in the house at the moment, the, your genius father. Then I'll go back in about, he told me the story. Uh. Then about an hour later, the door would open really slowly and I'd walk out going, I'm such a fucking fuck-up idiot. I can't do anything. It's oh. all is lost, James. Oh. I'm so deluded. It's pathetic. I can't do it for toffee. He goes, basically, I don't whip the door open when I find out which one of you is going to walk out. Which of it. one of you, yeah. yeah. But so I'm it's all right for both to exist, isn't it? So I think, in, in other words, it's like, it's like, it's like, it's the Jimmy Savile principle. What? It's, well, Jimmy Savile had this principle, which not many people know about. And <laughs> the reason. Not, not known as a man of principles, oh, that must be. He had a principle. But what he did was, Jimmy, the way he looked at life, and I know this because I read this book, it's quite. Exhaustive biography of what a is few weeks oh, ago. Oh, oh, oh yes. Yeah. And the way he did it was, he he had a balance, an, in, an imaginary balance in his mind, mm -hmm. like a scale, a set of scales, and he was allowed to do bad things as long as he did enough good things to counterbalance it. Like Catholics. Yeah. Well, he was a Catholic. Right. So he was actually doing. He was just doing the things the way that God intended him to, as far as he was concerned. What, what were the good things he did? That's, but I don't quite Charity. Uh, That's why he did all that charity work. I thought it was to get to his hands on vulnerable... Well, that was another side effect children. of it, wasn't it? So the better he was, the worse he could be. Yeah. The, worse, the, more, the, the more bad he could be. And it, so it was a self-perpetuating system mm. in which he would be tempted because of the nature of his good works and then he would avail himself of the temptation and then he would do more good works in order to offset the evil that he'd committed. And so it went. 
So it's a tried and trusted method, is what I'm saying to you. No, I don't think that's quite my mind. I don't, I would like to disassociate myself from the Jimmy Savile principle, as you call it. <laughs> the Savile principle. <laughs> yeah, so I, are you not just doing that, though, really? No, no, I'm, no, I'm not. <laughs> Leave me alone. It's horrible. <laughs> it's horrible. It's horrible. It's horrible. But you touched on something else that was actually quite interesting. <laughs> For a change. No, but no, what no, was it that I touched upon then? I can't remember what it was now. It's gone. Oh, yeah, the book. What was Jimmy Savile's autobiographies called? Uh, it was variously called, because he changed the name of it a few times, Love is an Uphill Thing. Fucking hell, talk about hiding in plain sight. And now then, now then. <laughs> like it was called Now Then, Now Then. <laughs> but I read Love is, Love is an Uphill Thing. It's a damning indictment of him. And I mean, how no one could have known, it's ridiculous, really. Have you noticed how they've taken the Louis Theroux episode off? Have I talked about this before? No, do. Well, you know, like, Louis Theroux interviewed him a few years ago. What do you think of Louis Theroux? I went out on, with him one night and I found him to be quite... He's, he's just like that, exactly like he is on the telly. So, so very retained and, and actually giving very little away. Yeah, and always questioning and always trying to get find things out. So I turned the tables on him a bit and I started talking about his father. I said, have you got a problem with your father, Louis? <laughs> he went, what? My father's got nothing to do with this. I said, but yeah, but he was a journalist too, wasn't he? He was a writer. And, and I basically just went for him a little bit and he was, then he started laughing because he realised what I was doing was what he was doing to me. Mm -hmm. But he does it to everybody, I think. It's just the way he is. I think he's toned it down quite a lot, though. I think the Jimmy Savile thing must have given him pause. Um, Wait, what, what happened on that? Well, he did this interview with him. He went to see him. And I remember that night, it was a long time ago, in 1999, I think, we were going to well, the Brit Awards. And I remember saying to him, Jimmy Savile's a wrong Because I was from, obviously I'm from Leeds. And I remember having quite a long conversation. He's going, he fascinates me. And it was shortly after that that he did the interview with him. So I think it must have been on his mind because he asked me if I knew Jimmy Savile. And I told him, yeah, he's a total wrong And everybody in Leeds knows it. And probably in the wider world. I said, he's probably, he's almost certainly a paedophile and he has a reputation for being um, a necrophiliac. And he was like, you're fucking joking. I was like, no, I'm not joking. Everybody in Leeds knows it. My dad told me to stay away from him. You know, he, he, one of my friends lost her virginity to him when she was 16. When Jimmy came round to see her mother, who had multiple sclerosis, he went in the back room and banged his daughter, who was 16 years old, and didn't ask to see her passport. That was you your know. mother? The mother was in a wheelchair. But he shagged no, not your mother? He's not my mother, oh, right, my so friend's right. mother. Right. But he shagged her. What, the one in the wheelchair? No, the other one, Guy. The daughter oh, yeah, who was yeah. looking oh, yeah, after yeah, yeah, her. Right, right. And when I said to her, I said, did, did, is that true? Did you lose your virginity to Jimmy Savile? And she went, yeah. I said, wow, that's a bit weird, isn't it? And she went, well, at least he's famous. <laughs> She's Instagramming in first class. <laughs> well, this was a long time ago. Yeah, this was right. in the 80s. But um, so I told Louis about all that, and then he went off and did that programme. And basically, what did he... he started out being a little bit like giving Jimmy the needle. And by the end of it, Jimmy Savile had won him over completely. And at one point, your barefaced asked him straight out if he was a paedophile, and Jimmy Savile said, of course I'm not a fucking paedophile. It's ridiculous. And Jimmy and Louis believed him, and then they became friends for ages after that. But basically, Savile groomed him and, and set him up, and then when, when, when Louis met Jimmy, was on there for ages, and now they've taken that down, so you can see the entire collection of Louis through his programmes, except that one, which they've taken down. And now they've put up kind of a, a sequel that he made to it, which is sort of an apology for it, 
where he says, well, it wasn't my fault because he pulled the wool over everybody's eyes. But you can't actually see the original programme that he's talking about. It's so BBC, that, isn't it? Really BBC. It's so BBC. They have such a weakness for that. Yeah, they have such a weakness for that. It's horrible. Yeah, and uh, they always have to sort of be right, and they can never say... Or you have to drag it out of them that they made a mistake. Even the, the Cliff Richard coverage, yeah. which I'm sure you'll probably have quite strong views about, but... No. Do you mean when they sent the chopper over his house well, when the police yeah. were searching it? I, didn't, I mean, I did I didn't think it was an invasion of privacy. The guy hasn't been convicted of anything. W interestingly, like, like, for instance, when w one of the things that's really struck but, me but, about but, the BBC... But they didn't come out and say, look, we were totally spooked by something. No, they didn't. They should have said, they should have said someone said, here's the situation, we yeah. were totally spooked and by something. We, the, we, we, we feel so thing. guilty about it. We completely overreacted here. It's a real mistake, and we need to get ourselves together. Well, that's so easy. They could have just come up and said that, but instead of which, they just don't know which. Which is exactly why Phil Spector got got um, got prosecuted. What for, for for Cliff Richard? No, in the wake of um, of uh, what's his name? OJ um, uh, Simpson. OJ. That's exactly what happened. But anyway, back to back to the BBC. Have you noticed also when they do reruns of Top of the Pops now, when it gets to number one? And Gary Glitters at number one. They don't play it, they just end the programme. No mention of it. It's like, it's like they've erased Gary Glitter. And the other thing that happens is when Jimmy Savile's presenting it, they do cuts, they, they cut Jimmy Savile out of all the footage. Oh, God, there must be a department of... Of 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 of, of removing of removing Jimmy Savile. Yeah. What a dirty place to work. Yeah, and the removal what a of dirty place to work. The problem removal department. The problem removal department. Yeah. yeah. The pedo removal department, otherwise known as. Yeah. <laughs> the PRD. <laughs> They're fucking working overtime. Yeah, it's a total waste of time. They should just have one person saying, you know, we fucked up badly, and here's the situation. We're saying sorry about it. But, and but welcome. if they put Jimmy Savile on there going, now then, now then, oh, <laughs> number 47 we've got. <laughs> the fucking, can you imagine the, the, the outcry? The public would go mental. People would be throwing shoes at the television sets. Well, that's where your man steps forward or your woman steps forward and says, yes, but we're not going to pretend that it didn't happen. Well, you would imagine so. But then they go, but he, he fiddled with my little Jimmy or whatever and it's not fair that I have to look at his face all the time. So you go, well, we do offer other programmes. Yeah, and Hitler did you kill a load of people, and we have, we have him on every other fucking week. Exactly, yeah. And what about all these programmes about the Moors murderers? Yeah, exactly. They're happy to put them fuckers on, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. If it sells a few fucking seat, yeah, seats yeah. in the auditorium. Yeah. Do you know what it is, Guy? What? It's unjust. <laughs> it's <laughs> not know, fair. Do you know what it is, Guy? It's not fair. No, do you know what it is? What? Hypocrisy. Right, rank. Rank hypocrisy. <laughs> What's unranked hypocrisy? It's not it's even ordinary, ranked. It's just ordinary, not ranked. Ordinary it's not on the rankings. I, you're a bit of a hypocrite, yes, but I'm not ranked. I'm not a ranked <laughs> hypocrite. What does it mean, rank? Like a, oh, right, look, God, that's ranked. Yeah, ranked. Does, I don't know. Rank. Is it rank hypocrisy or is it rank hypocrisy? R-A-N-K. Yeah, it's rank. Knocked. Not wank. No, not ranked. Wanked. <laughs> no, ranked. Uh, Ranking. Uptown to rank <laughs> hypocrisy. <laughs> Ranking, <laughs> ranking hypocrisy. <laughs> no, here, no, hear me, no. So, but anyway, so I've got a bit of a bugbear about hey, this. Oh, hold on. Also, uh, is it is? Can I talk about Budgie Banton? Who else has been removed from from the from, from the PRD? Yeah, by the PRD. Okay, hold, see, see if I can get it. 
There's a few more. I, I suspect the Duke of Windsor was in the Second World War. Was he removed? Did they, but presumably there was nothing really... I don't know. Anyway, he was slightly, he was slightly excised from history, wasn't he? Well, they he? didn't really have tellies then. No, they didn't have tellies. But, um, the Nazis had them, but we didn't. Yeah. So, um, Paul removed... Ah, uh, Noel Edmonds. No. No, well, he killed somebody, didn't he? By of, he dangled... Dangled somebody from a box off a crane. Yeah, convinced them to get hit. It was a, it it was a prank it. that went wrong. These things happen. He convinced them to do it. Oh, for goodness sake! He did. Tell me the person. I'm not going to have a he silly conversation about that. It's, it's what they call hearsay in court. It's inadmissible. All right, all right. I, I retract right. that. Please, uh, right. what's it called? Expunge that from the record. PRD. We need someone. We do. We need a PRD. <laughs> to what go have... through all our stuff. We'd only end up with about three minutes left. of it. <laughs> stuff we regretted putting out. Michael Barrymore, <laughs> has he been expunged by the PRD? Right, but he has very recently been completely exonerated, hasn't he? What? Yeah, I... How? I read that he'd, he'd had a big payout for wrongful... Well, there was a guy... It was like... it was Floating like... dead in his swimming pool with yeah. his bum hanging out. And he's not been... And it was nothing to do with... Um... Oh, for God's sake. Oh, okay. But I think he's just won a payout from the police. That's shocking. He must have a good lawyer. Mm. But he has been largely expunged. Yeah. Hasn't he? Yeah, you don't hear He's that. on the cutting room floor now. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't expect he's invited very much to do stuff. Yeah, I get... In fact... He's ITV, isn't he? In fact, I'd love to know what his, what, what his career it consists of now. I bet it's a... It'll be a beautiful... Supermarkets. Yeah, sad... Um, uh, our... Pantomime know, with the Crankies. Yeah, documentary about Michael Barrymore. That's a good one, if you're listening yeah. out there. Mm-hmm. Just um, Banton. Budgie Banton uh, was released um, from prison quite recently, and he was just sort of arrived back in Jamaica around about the time I was there. He did a six-year stretch for cocaine dealing. Is he the guy who did that song, Boom Bye Bye? Exactly. So um, we're gonna, we're gonna, that's uh, where I'm going with it. What this. was it? Um, Boom Bye Bye is kind of a home of... But it was a song urging people to kill gay, gay men. Shoot gay men, yeah. yeah. It's called Boom Bye Bye. And, you know... I had hardly ever heard it. I'd hardly ever heard the song, but I, of course it's such a famous song because it stopped him touring America. I think it stopped him getting a visa into America. He, can't, he must have got a visa. He was coke dealing. He must have got there somehow. <laughs> I think he stopped him getting a, a visa into Britain. I think he may have. Yeah, I think we, I think we, we Tat, were like him. Tatchell um, uh, stopped it. Anyway, so I was w- coming around the corner to the bar and I heard, mm. I heard the song, Boom Bye Bye, and I heard Budgie Banton screaming it and I heard the lyrics really for the first time and uh, uh, people are right, it is a really nasty song and it definitely is inciting people to violence against gay people. It's a really, uh, really nasty song. And I thought, oh God, he gets released and they're going to start playing this again. And I came around the corner and in the bar were like five American white guys and they had dreads, and they were dressed, or they were dressed as kind of MC, you know. They, they were wearing kind of black urban fashion. And they were like Jamaica heads. You see some of them there, you know, coming down to get into the vibes, get into the music, take the drugs, hang out with uh, Jamaicans, and kind of, you know, like groupies, really, culture groupies. Right. And uh, I walked in the bar, and I they said... sound horrible. I said to someone, hey, uh, uh, whose music is this? And they went, there's those guys. And they had plugged their um, phone into the, um, uh, into the rig. And they were, in fact, playing this song. I mean, no-one was complaining about it. I was the only one going, listening to it, going, bloody hell, they're thinking hardcore, these lyrics. Um, but the Jamaicans all carry on as if it's just like they're not even listening to it. I expect they don't care at all. Mm. But it was amazing that there was white people playing it. And it was like them showing their... 
showing their kind of hardness, really, showing their moral yeah. uh, fronting. Fronting, exactly. I looked at them and I thought, Dickheads. You're pathetic coming down and playing. You know this song is so freighted with difficulties and crap. And why, you know, what are you doing? Oh, and they're all like dancing to it and everything. These are like college kids. They look, they actually look to me like, you know, pretty, pretty well brought up children. But, you know. They are, they're probably in the White House in 10 yeah, years. Yeah, they, they are. It was a, it's the first time I've ever heard that song played by white people uh, in a little budget celebration. Nasty. Mm hmm. Mm. Sorry, that's all right. Well, it wasn't so interesting, actually. It's all right. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I wanted to say something. Um, because, Guy, guy um, a, a regular listener, any regular listener to this broadcast, will know that Guy doesn't much um, care for any of the books that I've tried to make him read, and he can't be bothered with most of them. Yeah. In fact, he slags off Philip K. Dick quite regularly and says that he's, a, he's some kind of navel-gazer. Okay, I'm on page ten. And I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about another got, book. We've got from six to ten. It's, it's, it's been a four-week hike. We're well camped on page ten. He's got the cramp crampons out. <laughs> got the, the for the climb to, to, the, page 11. to the second chapter. To get round onto eleven. We've lost so three men through sleeping sickness. <laughs> <laughs> I had to cut them loose on the mountain with them. With the, I had to cut the rope, <laughs> let them drop. This to is bed. a work of genius we're talking Dying about. A maze of death, one of Philip K. Dick's greatest novels. And is that what I'm reading? I thought you were. Yeah, Ubitsu. I'm reading. Oh, Ubik. Ubik. Yeah. Ubik. Yeah. I do like Ubik as well. Okay, I'm reading another one of Paul's about a guy called Jack Parsons, who's an American uh, uh, scientist who developed the solid fuel rocket, which now you know basically um, is the way people get into the solar system. Off Earth, rockets basically, mm. and the guy's very like Paul. He's quixotic and he, he just loves explosions. And like Paul does, <laughs> he's got mad sex life, which you don't have. He didn't really have a mad sex life, did he? Yes, he did. He had a slightly seedy sex life. He did, yeah, for the time I think. Yeah. Part of that was tied in with the fact that he was involved with the OTO, which is a well, kind of uh, who practiced sex Crow magic. Alistair Crowley, yeah. Uh, sort of quasi-religion. There's quite a lot about Alistair Crowley, 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 who is, sounds absolutely, who sounds despicable. He really sounds absolutely dirty man, D grimy, filthy old pervert, <laughs> who, ha who had an amazing facility for really not very good literature. He could just write off reams of it. Uh, kind of. Oscar Wilde with no talent. <laughs> Not a good look. <laughs> so you don't like him then? Well, I thought this, I, he could, there was loads of stuff about Crowley that I didn't know anything about. Like what? Well, like, like you know, that he, he was quite a successful writer and then he was a really unsuccessful writer and that he was involved in, and that he uh, advocated wild sexual activity in everyone and he ended up uh, ill broke and a complete con man, just, just trying to find anyone to give him money, basically, so he can get shag some. Didn't care what it was by the end, either. Shag anything, anything that had a pulse. Actually, probably some that didn't. Yeah. Well, he, was, was a bit, he was a totally out of control. Jimmy Savile was a bit like Crowley, wasn't he, in a way? Yeah, he did. Like a modern-day Alistair Crowley. Yeah, yeah, he had the lyrics rather than the right... Yeah, well, yeah, but he manipulated... Because Jimmy Savile didn't advocate what he was doing in private, whereas Crowley did. Didn't he? Yeah, he'd, he'd learned that much. <laughs> <laughs> From the master. Yeah, exactly. Don't tell anyone. Just don't tell them what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
there's a brilliant, um, a really good ad- adaptation of it. Uh, it's either coming out or it's out on CBS, where he, his his dad was a, a bit of a wrong one, wasn't he, Jack Parsons' dad? He was a bit... Yeah. He, he spent he, all the money and he was a... And he was a philanderer and his mm. wife wouldn't take him back and he didn't see Jack for, mm. basically, for most of Jack's life. He never... And Jack he, was searching for a father figure. Is that... Do you think you are? Not yet, thought, yeah. Am I your father figure? He lost his dad. So... But there's this great bit in it where he takes peyote with his... I can't remember, is that character in the book or is it the inventing for the thing? This some guy he runs into and he's completely mad and he hangs out with him and they take drugs together and get drunk. No, he that's a motorcycle. Not, I, I, I've not got that far in the book yet. He's only just beginning to... He hasn't really been... There's not many stories of drug taking or, or, or drinking. There's only one in the, in, the, in the series, but he takes him out to the desert and gives him peyote. Peyote. And they both, and he ends up attacking the other guy. Ends up attacking a big, um, uh, um, like a cactus, and cutting himself to bits, fighting a cactus because he's mad. <coughs> and Jack Parsons goes off on his own, <coughs> crashes the car in the middle of the desert, and then he, w- he wakes up and he realizes he's on the moon, and it's the most extraordinary sequence. It looks just like the moon landings. It's so beautifully done, and he's wa- literally walking on the moon. But there's no, it, it, the gravity's not different just sort of shambling across the surface of the moon and his fa- his dead father appears to him and he and they say where have you been he goes i've been up here waiting for you he said but how did you get here i was expecting you to come in a rocket he says oh no i came by other means <laughs> he goes anyway you're here now i've got something to show you and they walk across the surface of the moon and, he, and his dad disappears into this dark tunnel and he follows him in and he's going dad dad and he gets to the other side and there's all these lights and he can't see and it's really bright and then he looks up and there's this fucking enormous rocket on the moon it's really extraordinary gave me goosebumps actually it was so well done Mm. because it's all about like you say it's about this ambition that he has to get off you know to do something important but he sees it the magic and the rocketry for him leaving the surly bonds of earth whether it is in your astral body or in a spaceship to him it's the same problem he just wants to get off Mm. it's (coughs) all about untrapping the human race you know getting us out of bondage that's the way he sees it i think and it, it was an extraordinary time to be alive I, I had a photograph of Werner von braun at that time walking across the field with the state-of-the-art rocket at the time on his shoulder he's holding it on his shoulder like a giant uh, bottle rocket mm. <coughs> and um by the end of his life he'd put a man on the moon mm. <coughs> i mean that's an extraordinary arc <coughs> isn't it of um, achievement so that was the background, I guess, of what he was in, in, involved with. Anything seemed possible. And, of course, everybody was very hostile to rockets in those days. Yeah, yeah, they couldn't. They thought they were bonkers. In much the same way as they were to alternative religions and stuff like that. And then there's the whole L. L. Ron Hubbard angle. L. Ron Hubbard ripped all, all his money off and, and ran off with his wife. Fucking mad. Ripped all whose money off? Jack Parsons. Well, L. Ron Hubbard took Jack Parsons' money. Oh, you haven't got to that bit yet. No, I haven't, no. Jack Parsons hasn't really got very much money at the moment either. Well, he's about to start making some, I guess. We might, yeah. By selling stuff to the military. Yeah. Mm. Amazing, really. Yeah. You see, and at the time doing things, this, this, I think there were some qualms about the military aspect of it, but they, they saw the threat of the Nazis as being so real and so terrible that I think they, it, there was no uh, stigma attached to working for the military in those days. It was very much seen as a matter of honour. Because as far as everybody was concerned, we were facing the ultimate evil, you know. 
Mm. And, it, you know, it, it's t- something that stands to this day, really, to the next day. The, the penultimate one. <laughs> <laughs> There was, what, one, there was what, one after them. What is the ultimate evil? Well, I'm not sure. We're about to find out. <laughs> <laughs> Something wicked this way comes. It's so over-researched, the book. So not over-researched, it's so overwritten. Yeah. In that you can see that he's researched... Um, uh, he's, got, he's got lots of old newspapers out mm. to, to look for interesting background. And instead of just one little bit, one paint, little tiny... Paintbrush, one little stroke, <laughs> yeah. just to give the reader some context. It's like he gives nine things that happened on on, on you know on that day, and you can just tell he's reading out of a newspaper, and you just go, stop it. We're not interested stop in telling us, you know, about this, that, about the weather, about you know, some t- you know, uh, 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 he, uh, he it overwrites it so badly. If if someone had just gone in with a knife and and taken a third out, it would be more readable. But it's still good fun, and the character's so like Paul. And he's exciting and excitable like that. I can't see how he's like me. You like explosions and kind of... I like all that. I've grown out of all that quite a lot. But, guns. Um, he really likes guns. Paul, yeah, he does love Paul's guns. Paul likes a gun. Yeah. It's not often that you're drunk and you don't bring a gun out. What do you mean? I said, when you get drunk, you normally go and get a gun and shove it in my, in my face. No, go, I don't. Go on, just hold it, hold it, just hold it. And I say, oh, God, he's such a pervert. Yeah, I know you don't. Pull talk. the trigger. I know you're not talking about your gun. Saying, pull the trigger. Just pull the trigger, guy. Yeah, that's what you said last night. Yeah. Pull the trigger. Do you want to do it now? No. On the pod? No, because I don't want to have a gun going off. Shall on I the shoot pod? you on the pod? Live on the pod, <laughs> everybody. I'm going to shoot guy. It's time to be shot, guy. Okay, so has pull... anyone ever shot you before? <laughs> Surprisingly, not. <laughs> oh, oh shit! Hang on. There's your whiskey. Hey, okay, so this is it. This is a nine millimeter Walther. <laughs> Bits falling off it. No, no, no! <laughs> <laughs>